You're listening to the Connections Through Creativity podcast. Here, we dive in deep into personal growth, creativity, inclusion, education, mental health, entrepreneurship, connection, community, and how we can make a positive impact. I'm your host, Rebecca Jane, founder of Rebecca Jane Art, an inclusive community art instructor, mother, author, and artist with a love of living a creative life through joy, growth, and making a positive impact in the world. Art is the catalyst for creating connections. Everyone is an artist and everyone deserves a safe space to be and feel creative, included, and heard. When we create connections through creativity, we are opening an inclusive environment to improve mental health, education, and creativity in our community. By first starting with us, we can show up for ourselves, our family, and clients so we can live a fulfilling, creative life that inspires others. Become a certified inclusive community art instructor to make a radical impact in your community. Join the 10-week certification course in Mastermind by visiting RebeccaJaneArt.ca. Are you ready? Let's get creative. Inclusion is the expectancy of anything and everything. Inclusion is adaptability. Inclusion is creativity. Inclusion is learning. A few episodes, episode four, I talked about the levels of inclusion. Today, I want to dive into true inclusion. So I have altered a little bit of what I said from that first episode about inclusion uh, to be more clear and concise but it's basically the same idea. So this is kind of a quick review on what I talked about in episode four. So uh, it was five levels. One, non-inclusive. This is when we care only about the typical, the able, the majority, our own experience, the white traditional experience. Uh, Two, attempted inclusion. This is when we try to include people but we don't understand or care if they aren't actually included. This is usually only a visual and usually for a quota or a checkbox. Inclusion one-on-one. This is a surface level inclusion. You can be inclusive with one individual but that doesn't translate into groups or community so you are partially partially inclusive. Uh, You're attempted and You've attempted and succeeded, but you're not necessi- you don't necessarily know why or how. Four is inclusion in a group setting, and five is inclusion, uh, inclusive society or community. So both group and community are similar, but differentiate uh, to a group as a similar scale and, and a community as a bigger scale. When we provide an inclusive community, we are providing an open, safe, and accessible space for people to come and not just feel, but be included, creating an open, diverse, accessible, safe space for everyone to learn, grow, explore, create, and thrive in society. Okay, so those things are all great, and, um, but I I really wanted to, to, I think, I needed to change it a little bit. So, inclusion, uh, I've changed, I've changed it to two basic levels, non-inclusive, and true inclusion, uh, and non-inclusive has four subcategories. Okay, 
let's let's dive in. So this is my uh, non-inclusive. So non-inclusive is a non-inclusive, <laughs> b attempted inclusion, c isolated inclusion, d selective inclusion. Then we have true inclusion. Inclu true inclusion is the expectancy of anything and everything. It is adaptability. It is learning. It is empathy and compassion. It is creativity. True inclusion is the expectancy of adaptability, openness to learn, and creativity, and proof of action by following through with the ability, adaptability in a commutative, empathetic manner that provides growth and benefits all parties. Okay, so let's dive into what all of these mean. So the four subparts of being non-inclusive, uh, I wanted to separate them because the three of them, <laughs> three of the four, can fool people into thinking that they are being inclusive. Um, and in actuality, it's just non-inclusive, but we can fool each ourselves, um, which has, has happened quite a bit. And this is where you hear people say, oh, well, I am inclusive, or people can call other businesses and uh, school systems and everything inclusive, except that they're not because they actually fall under one of these subcategories. Okay, so non-inclusive. This is an indiv individual, a workplace, group, party, government, leader, setting, etc. that is closed-minded, non-adaptive, non-innovative, old-fashioned, selfish, we can be non-inclusive when we close ourselves off to learning, hearing others' experiences, only hearing one side of the story, and dismissing others. Okay, so attempted inclusion is, this is an individual, workplace, group, party, government, leader, setting, etc. that is that genuinely wants to create a space for inclusion but has not learned how yet or is creating a visual representation of inclusion just to check a box or fill the quota. This is usually seen as uh, diversity with without inclusion. I also, um, I often don't talk much about diversity, not because I don't see its necess necessity. Um, no, it's like the opposite. But if we have diversity but not inclusion, then we don't really have anything. We just are there to check a box. Um, so that's why I focus more just on inclusion uh, because with inclusion we create diversity. <clears throat> uh, it's not just about the visual, vis visual representation um, of inclusion, diversity, and equality. With this we are holding a space that hurts the work towards true inclusion. It gives people an illusion that we already have, we're already there, uh, that we already have it all figured out, but this is extremely harmful and, and toxic. So there's isolated inclusion. This is an individual workplace group, party, government, leader, setting, etc., that accepts and includes one individual or one abnormality, quotation, <laughs> that others deem deserves inclusion. This, uh, this is when, for example, a friend includes their friend in a wheelchair by adapting their play, um, physical and emotional needs and abilities to their engagement in play. Or, for example, when a husband can adapt 
and adjust his lifestyle, home, and language to his wife who is deaf. Or, for another example, adaption, adaption, adaptions. Having um, one individual at work who has mobility aids and providing them with the necessi necessary adaptions to be successful physically. Or, uh, another example, having and accepting uh, and adapting to your child who is transge transgender. These are examples of people who have successfully included and adapted to the needs of one individual. Um, this is isolated inclusion. Uh, this is isolated because it does not translate to true inclusion. They're adapting an expectance for one loved one, employee, or individual in their community, but this doesn't include everyone. Uh, yes, it will. It might benefit, um, others might benefit, but more than likely not because it's so isolated and very specific to one individual. Um, and actually, to go back to the, uh, the episode, episode four, where I talked about the levels of inclusion, uh, I, I want to change something. So the story I mentioned uh, about a girl who is deaf, uh, a young girl, her community got together and learned sign language so that they could all communicate with her, which is amazing. And I like, it's great. Um, and I said that this was community level inclusion and I was praising this and I, and I still like, I still do think it's absolutely incredible. However, I want to switch it to that. It is isolated inclusion because <laughs> they only adapted to one individual and one ability. And yes, that would probably benefit others who are um, who are deaf. Now the community can speak uh, sign language, so that means that they can speak with other people who are deaf. However, it was very specific to her and her needs. Um, isolate isolated inclusion is not bad, but it can have negative effects. Negative effects on others. The in individual. Uh, for my example, who is now included for mobi mobility aids at work can now be subjected to mockery, negative feedback from peers, employers, teachers, etc. because of their apparent extra attention, extra funds spent, inconveniencing others, and so on. The individual now feels like they are in the way, disliked, not respected, not included, even though that was <laughs> kind of the point, and probably feels like they are a burden burden onto others. They might not feel like they can ask for more if they need anything else um, as well. So um, the other people around them who are in need of inclusion, because just everybody needs some sort of level of inclusion, um, so I'm talking about everybody, um, they'll feel left out, disrespected, not seen. Um, this could be, for example, um, a black gay woman with epilepsy seeing a straight straight white male in a wheelchair being accepted, getting mobility aids and the mental health help he needs in the workplace, but she is not even safe to express her needs physically or emotionally. Her needs might not even be known to others and then therefore are not met. By creating isolated inclusion, an isolated inclusion paradox, we are in turn showing that only some individuals' needs are experience and experiences matter. Therefore, the others include the other individuals are not worth attending to.
So this has a lot of negative effects, even though it looks really good and it makes people feel good. I'm like, I mean, the, the community that, um, that adapted to that little girl who was deaf, that was incredible. And they got praise for it and they were on the news and people are still talking about it clearly because here I am, this is years and years later. Um, and like, it's great. However, it's, um, it, and, and people will feel good doing it, but it's not, it's not inclusion, not true inclusion. Okay. Um, selective inclusion. This is an individual workplace group, party, government, leader, setting, etc., <laughs> that chooses one abnormality to include. So kind of similar to individual inclusion, um, Oh, sorry, isolated inclusion, um, but it's more it's more selective beyond just the individual, um, and more to one specific need, so or category. For example, this could be a teacher that includes all children with autism, or a parent of a child who is gay, accepting the LGBTQ A two plus community. Oh, sorry, 2S+, plus. sorry, uh, community or a workplace actively working towards mobi mobility aids or providing a product that is inclusive for a physical and mental abilities uh, by request from a customer. So these are all good things, yes, uh, but it is selective in nature because we are not open to all, all experiences or needs. This means that an individual workplace group, party, government leader, setting, etc., is not including one group, or is including one group, but not all, which can be selective within the selection. And which, what I mean by that is we could, for example, uh, my example of the individual parent accepting their gay, white, able-bodied child, um, saying they, ex ex um, they are expanding to the full spectrum of LGBTQA+, but in actuality, they are selective um, and neglective to the experiences of BIPOC or disabled LGBTQA2S+, sorry, I added two, two pluses, individuals. Um, so what, what selective inclusion is doing by creating a new acceptance level uh, which means that our society deems as normal, typical, old-fashioned, uh, uh, etc., the abled body, straight, white, and probably male. Uh, they are creating a new "This is okay now" handbook for the common white white folk. <laughs> uh, I would wager that. Most of this stems or grows from isolated inclusion, where an individual workplace group, party, and government leader setting, etc., has an isolated, inclusive person and grows to be a selective, a selective inclusion, like uh, the parent of their child who is gay. Um, so they had a isolated, in uh, an isolated, inclusive mindset with their child and then they opened up to uh, that spectrum. Um, so this again is great 
<laughs> that you can include all kids with autism or whatever it is. Um, but what about all the kids with behavior issues um, who don't have a diagnosis? Or what about the child who is in indigenous in your class. This is selective inclusion and it is very harmful, just like it is as the selective or the isolated inclusion. It's very similar effects. Um, all, so all of these, those are the four and all of those components of non-inclusion are very harmful and we should learn to recognize all, call it out, take action towards growth, growth when we see or are practicing uh, non-inclusion. Okay, so what is true inclusion? Now that we know what is not inclusive, <laughs> what is inclusive? What is true inclusion? Um, the expectancy of everything and anything. It is adaptability, it is learning, it is empathy it's, and compassion, it's creativity. True inclusion is the expectancy of adaptability, openness to learning and creativity, and proof of action by following through the adaptability in communicative, empathetic manner that provides growth and benefits all parties. I think if I had to put inclusion into one word, I would say the ex or I would say adaptability, um, because it's when you're adaptable you are able to <laughs> adapt. And, and uh, that's adaptability is learning. Adaptability is creativity. Adaptability is the expectancy. So adaptability is compassion. So, um, and I, I could kind of go back and say that about creativity and, and say it is all those things, because it is. Um, but I think if I had to pick one word, I think it would be adaptability. And this is not easy. <laughs> this is why a lot of people stop at selective inclusion. This is why people stop at uh, isolated inclusion. And this is why people stop at attempted inclusion. They think they're doing it. They feel good about themselves because they've included somebody. Um, and they might be doing more than their counterparts, their coworkers, their friends, their family. Um, but it's not, it, it's not. So, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's hard work to be truly inclusive. Uh, it's, it, it means that we're always learning and, and adapting and, and that's not always easy. Practicing true inclusion means that we accept that we do not know everything. That's what learning is. That we embrace adaptability and that we are ready and willing to listen, empathize, adapt, advocate and create a safe place. As someone who is practicing true inclusion, I expect to always be ready to adapt. I expect always to learn. I expect that I could be wrong, just like I'm here correcting what I said about true uh, inclusion. How many episodes now? Eight, 12 episodes away? <laughs> I... I was wrong and now I'm fixing it. So I expect that I need help and I expect community support. Um, I expect that I don't know everything. And uh, 
It is the act of understanding the inequalities and injustices happening in the world and taking part in change. Okay, so I have some helpful notes for practicing true inclusion. This is not an easy path. <laughs> there is pain, pain seeing others' suffrage. There is hard work involved. There is great discomfort seeing others act in, uh, in the other's levels of inclusion. Uh, the non-inclusion, the non-inclusive, jeez, non-inclusive. Well, non <laughs> Uh, there is heartache, feeling helpless when we see the inequalities, and feeling like you only have a small voice. Um, if we start talking about it, seeing it, and starting to make change on the individual level, then we are making a difference, and we are we are helping shape a better tomorrow. So, how can you work towards uh, inclusion? One is to talk within safe places about non-inclusivity. Non uh, so this could be with friends, family, book clubs, or uh, just in your community, online or offline, um, specifically for white spaces to open up and talk about the uncomfortable conversations. I um, recently just hosted a book club and I'll be doing uh, three more this year with a great Canadian woman um, book club book club calls. Uh, we just read uh, 21 things you may not know about the Indian Act. Um, so that was uncomfortable, but this was a white space that we were able to talk and about the book. We had guides from the book, um, and but it was we were together making a difference because we can get together and talk about it. Uh, and if you would like to join us for the next one, we're reading The Skin We're In. Uh, you can join us at The Great Canadian Woman. The link is in the show notes. Um, okay, and then another is uh, be open to the continuum of learning. Um, I think I'm going to do uh, an episode of all about learning because I have an acronym L-E-A-R-N um, and so I think I'll do a whole episode on learning because I really really think this learning is so 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 important and we can all do it <laughs> even if you were told in school uh, that learning is not your forte like I was um, I am now a advocate for learning <laughs> And uh, I did terribly in school, so I don't think it has anything to do with school. Um, but anyway, be open to the continuum of learning. Um, develop adaptability skills and practice compassion. And lastly, utilize your creativity because everyone is creative. Everyone is an artist. <laughs> Together, we can make tomorrow more inclusive. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you loved this episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And be sure to follow me on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on everything at Rebecca Jane Art. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, happy creating.